0: This is Sabrina Marie, host of the Building Abundant Success Series. Our primetime mastermind tackles human relationships in a pop culture world. My guest is internationally renowned media psychiatrist, Dr. Carol Lieberman. She's a three-time honoree by the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, the Daytime Emmy Awards. And you've seen her work feature in the New York Times, L.A. Times, Larry King, Entertainment Tonight, CNN, the BBC, Good Morning America, and many other news outlets. We are talking about uh, pop culture and how we relate to one another, whether we're watching Netflix and our reality television or the news flashes that come on, the news flashes that have us on edge. Since 9-11, Dr. Carol has been talking about this topic, and her book, Coping with Terrorism and Dreams, was sparked by how we have changed after 9-11. To find out more about Dr. Carroll and her work, go to drcarollieberman.com. Dr. Carol and I are coming at you right now. This is great. It's an honor to actually be able to speak with you. and have... So many questions swirling in my head in this pop culture medium and social medium and terrorist medium and medium niche. <laughs> it's amazing. And how we can, and as regular human beings, we kind of live on adrenaline. And so if we're not seeing our interpersonal relationships play out, we're seeing it on TV. Then we're seeing the scary parts of terrorism, whether it be kids or, you know, somebody over the border. I wanted to talk about um coping, really, in, in a 24-7 pop culture, multicultural, um, you know, social media world. Basically, that's what we're living in. Yes. Um, we are living in very anxiety-provoking times in so many different ways, uh, from um, all the political divisiveness, to of course, terrorism, the threat of that, even though people try to deny that they that they're worried about that um, and just uh relationships, you know uh in, in all this this new well it's not so new anymore, but the dating through um internet um sites and so on, apps, and um just you know and, and then getting into all kinds of problems when you find out that people aren't really who they say they are. Um, just now, now for example, um, there's the meeting with North Korea. <laughs> there's Russia that's um, rattling sabers. I mean, there's you know, if you look at if you watch the news for five minutes, um, that's kind of enough for the rest of the day. I mean, in terms of making you anxious. Now you studied um, psychiatry, and when you first got into really wanting to do that. Um, What was your motivation to study um, this whole thing? I wanted to know where your background uh, is in this. And so you can tell our audience what you've seen over the years, now that we're talking about this, hopefully, of stuff. Well, um, I was born and raised in New York City. And um, when I was growing up, when I was about eight years, well, first of all, I'm an only child. And when I was about eight years old, um, I decided, I read a book about the first woman doctor in America, and that um, influenced me to want to become a doctor. And then when I was a teenager, I um, read Freud's Interpretation of Dreams. And that, I totally resonated with that. And um, because I was starting to say I'm an only child, and so when I went to school, when I went to kindergarten, um, I had to figure out what was going through other little kids' heads in order to um, feel comfortable and make sure they liked me and all of that. You know, it was like, who are these little creatures? Um, so so that got me, you know, all the time really working overtime to try to understand what people were thinking and feeling and their motivations and so on. And so then when I read Freud's Interpretation of Dreams, a lot of what he wrote about, uh, really made sense to me, not that as a teenager I had his sophisticated um, appreciation of it, but still it kind of resonated with things that I had been thinking about. So that's when I decided to be a psychiatrist. And I always wanted to, um, I never wanted to be the kind of psychiatrist that just sits in an office and sees patients from 9 to 5. Um, I always wanted to do things in the media because I wanted to reach more people with different ideas and different um, suggestions for how they can, different insights about the world, how they can better, um, live better lives, how they can be happier, what's going on in the world from a psychological perspective. And so, and then I, um, and then I uh, also um, became interested in forensic psychiatry, and I've been doing that, as an expert witness for a long time, as well as being patient and um and I always had an interest in writing books, and so I've written four books and, um, and so I <laughs> basically you know I'm, I''m I try to reach as many people as possible, and um, particularly now ever since nine eleven. Uh, I although I talk about and still talk about all kinds of things, you know, like you mentioned, commentary on Hollywood and um, pop culture and all of that, and I still do that. But I since nine eleven have um, chosen a focus of of helping people cope with terrorism, and uh, I published or I not self published a publisher <laughs> published my first terrorism book in London, at the one-year anniversary of their 9-11, which was 7-7 in 2005. And so my book came out at the one-year anniversary. And then my more recent book um, is the first and only book about terrorism for kids. It's called Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. And the first half of the book is for grown-ups, it's for parents and teachers and therapists. And the second half is a picture book. And it is, um, I call it a gentle introduction to terrorism for kids. So I don't, you know, I don't, um, I don't lie. I mean, I don't, uh, I, I tell them, but it's, it's for kids from 5 to 14. So I tell them at um, their, that general age level, what terrorism is, um, why terrorists want to kill us. Uh, I talk about 9-11. I talk about a different other terrorist attacks around the world. I give as an example for the page about uh, what is a terrorist. I say a terrorist is like uh, a bully on the playground. So I talk about things in, but then I t- also talk about, um, you know, I show the Middle East and I I, um, I say that uh, that terrorists are radical Islamists. And, or radical Muslims, and they're not like most Muslims who are peaceful. So I go into the whole thing, you know, the, the bombs and the Quran, and uh, again at a at an introductory level. But I don't pretend that terrorism is something that is not. I wanted to go back. I uh, say through the years, we uh, look at pop culture and the whole pop culture, TV, VH1 video games, and now we're almost at, I believe, the 20th anniversary of what happened in Columbine and whatnot. It's like we're on adrenaline. The first um, reality show happened in the mid-90s. I didn't know it went back that far. (laughs) Um, uh, You know, it's just um, adrenaline 24-7 now where you have so much stuff, uh, terrorism in the schools, because you're just mentioning your book. You also have, um, the pop culture where we have so many housewives, so much dysfunction in big brother, big sister, whatever shows in mm-hmm. the house here. So when you're talking about kids growing up, and most of uh, kids, uh, you know, like, you know, we were all kids, but even within the last 30 years, uh, spending a third of your time or more, whether you're on your iPhone, iPad, if you're mm-hmm. people are there. They're seeing violence. Um, They're seeing it in movies, even in cartoons. Um, It's like running on adrenaline. So when you're talking about terrorism, we have an issue here in this country. People think we have just terrorism and people coming over here to do harm. We've had a lot of harm done by people here. Don't you think the pop culture that we live in has a lot to do with it? Yes, I think um you mentioned a couple of things in particular um you know i I think the fact that we that kids and there was just a study about little infants um spending so much time on screen time um of course, they found out that it wasn't it wasn't uh iPhones as much as it was regular television, but still, parents put kids in front of screens as as young as infants as a babysitter. And they think that, you know, (laughs) they don't want to believe that that could cause any harm. But it does. Um, Not only does it it cause harm if there are any violent images, but just the idea that kids are at all ages, or even adults, that people are um, spending so much time, whether it's on the iPhone or a computer or or, um, any kind of screen, television, but... Um, focused on that instead of doing other things that are much more productive and much more um, educational and much more even just relaxing. You know, I I talk in my book, you were saying about coping, I talk in my book about, I, I tell people that we need to think about terrorism and you can say not just Islamic terrorism but, um, you know, like the school shootings is a kind of terrorism and so on we we need to think about ourselves as being on a, in a marathon or preparing for a marathon because all of these things whether it's terrorism or other violence um or other really upsetting uh news all of these things they're not going to go away i mean certainly terrorism isn't going away um and and unfortunately video games are becoming more violent so this this is only getting worse and so people need to think about what they would do if they were preparing for a running marathon you know you would um of course you would practice each day more and more uh time running or or uphills and you know more challenges running um you would also go to a doctor and check yourself out physically to see, especially as you had some kind of symptom, but just in general, to make sure you were your healthiest physically. And psychologically also, it's important for a marathon and it's important for the marathon that we're all on in terms of uh, this century to, um, to be at our peak psychologically as well. So um, I, I talk about how people can do this, you know, how... I mean, a lot of the things are things that we hear about one, one place or another. We might hear about things uh, from from aromatherapy to meditation to um, p- putting flowers and plants in your room to, uh, you know, all kinds of stress-relieving kinds of things. And basically, we're all on this treadmill and we don't have enough time to do anything, we think, so we don't spend time doing things that will help us with stress either. And that, that has to change because um, people are getting sick uh, from all this stress. And they may not recognize, you know, where, why all of a sudden. I mean, there have been studies about um, millennials or, or younger people who are getting all kinds of things that they never got before, like liver cancer and, you know, all kinds. Ca- now, there, there's, you know, there's not just one reason for that, um, you know, something that has to do with drinking, for example, with liver cancer. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, but people have to sort of wake up and realize that they can't just do what they've been doing, because all of this is taking its toll. It's also taking its toll, typically is one thing, and again, people don't recognize the connection to the stress for the most part. But it's also um, taking its toll on relationships. Like, people have a lot more rage than before, and um, and they're much more quick, they're, they're quicker, their tempers are quicker and so they're angry about things like, for example, they're angry about living in this world with all these dangers, and they take it out on people who they interact with in an, a normal day, even though it may not have anything to do with them, where they may be getting irritated for some minor thing, and all of a sudden they explode. So, so it's time for people to take this really seriously. And a lot of things in particular have... In terms of studies, but they haven't. They haven't, even though the years connect. Um, nobody but myself have I heard talk about how so much has changed in the U.S. since uh, 9/11. Like there's more obesity. I mean, not just in the U.S. Mm-hmm. You know, most of these things are around the world, but there are there's more obesity than ever. And that's because people are eating comfort foods more, you know, ice cream, pasta, all of those things that we used to eat as children that our parents gave us to uh, soothe us, you know, and make us happy. So we tend to go to pizza, chocolate, all those things. Um, and that's one thing that has has uh, increased tremendously since nine eleven. 11 Also, substance abuse, alcohol and drug abuse has increased. Suicide has increased. Uh, depression and anxiety have increased. There are um, a, a, all of these different kinds of things. Cutting, you know, teenage girls, for example, cutting has increased. So there, there's even though people haven't been connecting it to 9/11 because, you know, I that's what I'm have become an expert in since 9/11. Um, I pay a lot of attention to these things, and so I've been noticing the connection. You mentioned something very interesting at the top of our conversation about, um in kindergarten relating to other people, and I mm-hmm. wanted to bring this back to the different books that you've written about, you know, bad boys, bad girls, as well as the terrorism. Our personalities and right and wrong are formed, they say, within the first six to seven years of life, and so... How we're treated by our parents, whoever's raised us, whatever male or female figure, whether it be in a traditional or non traditional uh, family, have a lot to do with that. But don't you believe also, you know, and I, I studied a little bit of, of this on my own in college, uh, the soft skills. You're mentioning how people are on edge and they're eating comfort foods and they're, you know, just reacting here to the police shootings many times. Uh, you know, they were just reacting. Um, soft skills. People aren't talking to each other. Um, customer service is lacking if you go into a store now. People just don't know how to yes. just chat and shake a hand. Um, they're offended many times, even if you just want to say, hey, you look great today. Hey, I like the shoes. Yes. It's, it's, it's just reactionary not kindness. Um, yes. They're ready yes. to on you. Yes, that's, that's right. right. Or similarly, um in when you try to make a phone call to um oh like a rental car place for example, and um you you have to go through all these different you never <laughs> it's very hard to get a live person in the first place, and then it's just all this i mean and and you know I think in part some of that does relate to nine eleven as well concentration people's constant. well it also mm-hmm. relates to sleeplessness you know people are having a much harder time getting a good night's sleep and that puts people on edge as well so yes it's um it's just it's just uh as you say it's really hard to relate in a in a positive way with just the general people who you meet during the day yeah it, it is and you're talking about the relaxation techniques etc um, you know, I, I watch some classic TV, and it seems like it's, you know, a relaxing form of, of entertainment. You can actually breathe. But if you're looking at something today, it's, it's you know, so fast, it's like, whoa. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. So, yes. Yeah. And um, what you're talking about is great in terms of the relaxation uh, techniques of being able to just cope in the world, just be able to breathe and, 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 you know, basically chill out in your own home because the adrenaline is there even if you turn on the TV or even if you don't, you're on your iPad, iPhone, and some sort of news thing comes over. I'm like, oh, no, what's going on now? Um, How do you see this really playing out? Because we do have the multimedia that is, even on television, a lot of stuff has just become either vulgar or it's just shooting, shooting, shooting. I mean, it's it's way over I got overkill. That's what it is. Overkill. <laughs> literally, Where is this going? literally overkill. Um, mm-hmm. Well, you know there are there have been um, studies, and I was the uh, chair of the National Coalition on TV Violence for years, and I mm-hmm. um, I spoke in front of Congress for years in regard to how the more, uh, and I I didn't make this up. There have been studies for decades that show this. And, and they show it in different countries, too. I mean, it wasn't just one researcher. This has been proven time and time again that uh, the more violent media a person consumes, whether it's video games or television or movies or something on your iPad or wherever you see it, the more violent media someone uh, consumes, the more aggressive they become. Now, not everyone is going to go out and become a mass murderer, but, um, there is more violence, and it, sometimes, uh, it can be, it can be something like that you don't necessarily connect to the violent media, but it could be like someone fighting, you know, people are getting, <laughs> people are getting violent, mm-hmm. fighting over parking spaces, and of course, yes. road, road rage and domestic violence has increased. So all of these mm-hmm. things, that you don't have to go out and shoot somebody, you know, for it to be connected to the violence that you consume in the media. What really breaks my heart, um, and I have little nieces and nephews, I see kids in school running because of school violence and people who feel rejected and so hurt um, I'm sure you were bullied at some point in time in your life. I know I've been bullied. I just never thought of getting a gun. That just was, you know, that's too much work. <laughs> that's not my personality. Well, <laughs> uh, you know, to, to plan this stuff out and actually do that, because these people feel so rejected by people they're probably only going to know for a few minutes in their life. Um, yes. Um but you um, know it's it's, it's been heartbreaking. Yes. And it starts at home. Um all of these things, you know, the people who are usually picked upon as who are bullied um are people the the bullies are able to sense which people are more vulnerable which people they're going to be able to bully. They're going to be able to get a rise out of. They're going to get, you know, more reaction from. And these are usually kids um, who have been neglected at home. And, I mean, what's kind of interesting is that really it's similar to what the home life is of the bully. So the, the victim of bullying and the bully have similar home lives. Like usually it's neglect, abuse. Um being uh emotionally abusive sexually abusive physically abusive especially and um and the bully the difference is that the bully uh, uh does what's called identify with the aggressor that means that the bully uh tries to cope with being abused or and whatever by identifying with the person who has been doing the abuse to them so they realize, for example, if their father's been hitting them, um, they they want to be powerful like their father. They don't want to be the victim. So they become the bully to take it out on other kids. And the kids who um, are the victims um, may well have been abused themselves. Also, sometimes um, they may have some mental illnesses that or, that make them um Less able to comprehend what's going on and to fight back to what's going on makes them shy, um, and, and so so the bully finds these people <laughs> and these kids and um, and is violent towards them, and it's really it's really extremely sad. And yes, that problem also is worse than ever, um, and of course now with social media, it's not only being bullied in the playground; it's being bullied online as well as a a follow-up. And the sad part is that for both the bullies and the victims, the the key is that their parents are not really paying enough attention to them and not giving them a positive, uh, not raising them in a positive way. Um, You know, again, whether it's abuse, neglect, um, they don't care, they're involved in their own lives. Uh, And so, So that's why, you know, a lot of times when kids are bullied and then they kill themselves uh, and the parents are so so shocked. I I didn't know that my little Johnny was so upset. I didn't know he was being bullied, and I didn't know he was, you know, so upset that he would think of killing himself. Well, yeah, that's kind of the point. Where were you? Mm Uh-huh. Good question. Good question. And... To tag along with that, we have an epidemic now that many people are facing. Many of these kids are, not all, but their they're, they're, parents are shocked when their kid kills himself or somebody has been suffering so long with mental illness, they kill themselves. Mental illness has been in the news uh, more and more for them, the last 10 years. And um, do you really believe that these um, country can... Uh, put aside the stigma and actually help people who many times have been crying out for help in many ways, but have been either ignored as, oh, they're just troublemakers, oh, they're just a little weird, oh, you know, it's it's a mental illness. And many people I've known have family members, they'll only find out later. Uh, I just talked with somebody a couple days ago. They didn't know that the strange behavior of their sibling was because they were mentally ill until they killed themselves. They had to go and, you know, deal with the house and the apartment and found, you know, uh, drugs for depression. Uh-huh. And they asked the children, yeah, they asked the children, well, what is this? Oh, they've been taking this as long as I've known them. Well, people aren't really facing up to this whole, you know, mental health and or depressive state. We've got the opioid crisis. We've got a lot of things that are, like you said, after 9-11, things changed. Well, it's just kind of escalated. Even after nine eleven, we've had the different wars and and different you know people come home, and it's just a lot yeah. of traumatic things happen. Yeah, do you think that we as a society will actually reach out and really you know, it's right in our face. Yes, people are. I mean, it's sad when people are embarrassed um, to tell their family or their friends. That, um, they have some kind of problem and they were given medication for it or they're in therapy or, um, or they, or they don't even go for treatment because they don't want people to know that they have some problem. Or they drink. They drink. They, yeah. of mm-hmm. Yes. They self medicate with drugs or alcohol. Absolutely. And, um, you know, that's why, I mean, this whole thing about, about having more, Uh, security guards, and other kinds of security measures at schools in order to find to, what did you say? Teachers with guns. Now, that's a scary one. Right, right. Um, You know, that is not the solution, teachers with guns. Uh, First of all, it's surprising that a significant number of teachers would even agree to that. But uh, I mean, I guess it's for self-protection more than wanting to protect the kids. But that um, would traumatize me. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, for sure. <laughs> not gonna, I want to go to school. <laughs> no. <laughs> right. Um, it's more. What's more important is to be screening kids at younger in, in elementary school before they get to middle school or high school when they actually are going to be more likely to do something. You know, act out and get a gun and come back and shoot people. Um, they have done studies that show that schools that have five or more uh, measures of security that the students can see, like uh, security guards or like cameras or um, different kinds of things like that, uh, where you have to go through with your bag, all kinds of security measures, but if there are at least five, the those students, Are more anxious and frightened than students who, where the schools don't have those things because it's a constant reminder that these things can happen. It's also with the uh, drills, the active shooter drills. That is making kids, those are making kids more uh, anxious and causing more trouble than not having them because the number of active shooters in schools is still relatively small compared to the number of schools who are doing these active shooter drills, and because they don't explain to the kids what's going on. And, you uh, know, I mean, I've been, because I've, of my terrorism books for kids, which I didn't, did I tell you the title of it? It's called Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, mm-hmm. How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. Um, so, um, I thought because of the book, I've been talking at a lot of teacher meetings and school psychologist meetings and so on, and people tell me all the time about how, when they do these drills, the kids are so scared they cling to them, and they don't know what to tell the kids um, about why they're doing this drill, these drills, or who's going to come with a gun, or you know, if someone's going to come with a gun, or. Everybody, there's no one, um, plan for what to tell them. And, um, and so it's really doing more harm than good. I mean, the teachers should, and, and the staff should have drills, and, and that would be great. But, um, but for the, to, to involve the kids, um, just makes them even more nervous for, for no reason, really. I mean, to, for, the risk is it's not worth it to make a whole nation of frightened kids for the numbers of school shooters that there will be, or terrorists, or regular kinds of terrorists, Taliban terrorists. Mm-hmm. I wanted to end this great um, interview talking about the, a little about interpersonal relationships. If you're not seeing violence in video games on television, you've got the phenomena of reality TV. And you have everybody on there from doctors to house husbands to housewives to this to that. Um and it glorifies mostly dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um I thought I had drama in my life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <I know. laughs> and then you look at um how it's glorified. And then you look at young People say, you know, I want a reality show. What was the family who did some craziness so they could get a reality show? That's not everybody. But pop culture, the way people dress, the way people think, it really is shaped off these reality TV show types. Um, Do you think it's a medium that will stay with us, or do you think it'll fade out? Well, um you know i was in i started um when I started my media career uh it was at, at Oprah you know was the big thing then and I was on Oprah I was on shows like Jenny Jones and um Sally Jesse Raphael and you know all of the talk shows which were the beginnings of reality shows mm. and um in fact i I don't know if you ever heard of this, but in um nineteen ninety five um There was the reality show, I mean, well, the talk show, Jenny Jones, and there was, um, and a a show where it was called Same Sex Secret Crush, but they didn't tell the people who they, who they lassoed into being on the show that it was Same Sex Secret Crush. That was in 95 when, you know, being gay wasn't as, uh, People didn't admit it as commonly, and it was not thought of in the same way it is, as it is today, you know as as a more natural kind of thing um and and so uh on this particular show, there was the guest who was uh who was um uh lassoed into this, who was told that it was a show about secret crush, not same sex secret crush just secret crush and he thought it was his girlfriend or his fiance who had broken up with him. So he went on, and he was ambushed by this guy <laughs> who had a same-sex secret crush on him. And three days after the show, he ended up going to this guy's house and shooting him. But there's a whole backstory, and in the media uh-huh. at the time made it... Do you remember that? Oh, my you remember I remember that? hearing about... I, I heard about it way after the fact that somebody yes. was hurt on a, on a yes. show uh, with uh, TV host Ginny Jones. I never really studied up on it. But, wow, the person you went into, oh, my heavens. Well, now, okay, that's, but so the media jumped on that and said, oh, well, it must be because he's homophobic and that's what happened and all of that. And it was much more to the story. I mean, starting with the fact that they lied to him to get him to come on the show. <laughs> But um right. I was the defense psychiatrist, the expert witness for the man who did this, Jonathan Schmidt. and I it was in Michigan. And I testified, and um, I got the jury to understand how he had diminished capacity, meaning that his various psychological problems um, caused him to not be able to form the intent to kill. He didn't really, he wasn't going there to, he didn't plan to kill him. He planned to just talk to him and get him to say that he'll stop following him or trying to keep pursuing him. And uh, the guy wouldn't stop. And anyhow, and then there was a connection to Jonathan's father. He really thought he was killing his father. It's a whole long <laughs> – I was on the stand for a day, so it was a whole long story. But, but um, it was one of the uh, most violent, obviously, deadly – uh, consequences of talk TV, which then proceeded, uh, developed, morphed into uh, reality TV. Which you know, I mean, in order for people to keep being yes, it's, I mean, it's amazing to me that reality TV is still, it's still pretty much going strong. But but you have to, I mean, people are kind of getting bored with the same old, same old kinds of shows. Um there's a show called Paternity Court that I was the uh, psychiatric consultant to for a few years. And that's where you, I mean, it, it was actually like uh, Maury, he was doing that way before, where, you know, you come on and you find out, is he the father? <laughs> so, I mean, it's amazing that even though Maury was doing it for years and is still doing it, and did it for years before uh Paternity Court started, Paternity Court started about five years ago or so, Um, and even though, you know, this has been on, this kind of thing has been on television for quite a while, there still are viewers. Now, are there as many viewers as when these things started? Probably not, but but then again, there are fewer viewers watching television to begin with since we have all these other devices Or we have Netflix and things like that. But, um... But, you know, but there is still an appetite for it because otherwise there wouldn't be sponsors of the shows, you know, if they didn't think enough people were watching it. So, um, but they, they are going to have to kind of keep pushing the envelope because I think people are getting bored. Like, unless, I think the reason why people tune into reality TV is to see somebody be embarrassed or to see somebody, um, uh, you know, something bad happened to somebody, not, not get shot necessarily, but I mean, um, to see, to see somebody caught in an awkward moment, um, and that kind of thing. And so they are going to have to keep sort of raising the ante to make these more awkward or, you know, because it is, it isn't going it can't go on forever at the same level. Right. Right. I mean, after five minutes, I got a headache. <laughs> These two people hate each other, and fourth, the fourth and fifth one, they all hate each other, and, okay, I get the point. Let's go. Next channel. <laughs> I know. You know, like Big Brother. You mentioned Big Brother. That was, I actually yeah. was doing, in, in its first year, I did the uh, commentator, on the I was on the news doing commentating on Big Brother and Survivor. And, um, and both of those are still going, I don't know, going strong, but still going. And yet, and yet, um, I mean, like with Big Brother, Survivor at least has an island. <laughs> but with <laughs> Big Brother, that, that does kind of get, like, sort of the same sorts of things, uh, again and again. And yet, you know, people want to see other because they like to see people betrayed, you know, with these, um, they make uh groups they make plans i won't vote you off the island if you don't vote me off it and they like to see the people be betrayed or who who's going to lie i mean i i don't know it's it's um in part people want to see want to well in part it's because they want to feel better about their own lives you know that right. uh like you said like that they don't have that many problems or Or if they've been in an awkward situation, they can feel like, well, at least I wasn't on national TV when it happened, you know. Right. Um,